0: you're there for them. You're there to make them laugh, do your job, do it well, and uh, and just try to have a positive influence. Welcome to the School of Laughs podcast, brought to you by SchoolofLaughs.com. Whether you're an aspiring comedian, a part-time pro, or a speaker who wants to become funnier, this is the podcast for you. We'll break down tools, tips, and techniques to help you get bigger, better, and more bookable. And now, here's the show.
1: Welcome to the School of Last podcast. Rick Roberts here today with my guest, Eric O'Shea, who's going to drop some knowledge on how you might want to pursue the college market and what the expectations are if you do so. And we'll talk about that. We'll talk about a gig we did up in Victoria, British Columbia that had us running in the streets. Uh, One from a cop and one from a robber. So you want to check out that part of the interview for sure. And uh, we'll learn some more about Eric and how he got into comedy and how he was inspired not by a comedy legend on TV or or on radio, but uh, a guy calling bingo numbers. So (laughs) you don't hear that every day. So lots of fun stuff in this episode and it was fun catching up with Eric I recorded this kind of at the onset of the pandemic uh, but I don't think much has changed since we talked I listened through as I edited and I think everything still holds holds up as far as the content and information so I'm uh, I'm just gonna get out of the way let you listen to this and I'll talk to you on the back end of things and I uh, just want to say thanks for listening here we go this is Eric O'Shea <laughs> well I'm on the call with Eric O'Shea how's it going bud
0: Ricardo Roberts how are you my friend good man how are you feeling pretty good I'm feeling good I'm feeling good um you know we, we were just talking today with the family about how uh you know we don't wish this virus on anybody we're all hanging in there um not everybody's in the same boat which has kind of been the narrative a little bit so it's kind of nice to go out and kind of help people and um, work on some projects, works on some things, you know, hold yourself accountable for some things to kind of say, Hey, I need to work at this as a person or um, so not to get too serious, but um, again, don't wish us on anybody, but you got to look for those little blessings in between and um, everyone's kind of finding their own way and navigating, but uh, definitely been an adventure.
1: It has been, you know, there's, there's no escape from the honey to do list now, which is, uh kind of scary, but I'm I'm leaving two light bulbs dark just to remind myself that I used to be like that. But I'm fixing everything else around the house while I can't.
0: I'm realizing nobody misses I'm I'm kinda going, wow, like you know, the emails are dropping, no one's no requesting. I know we can't go do shows, but I'm like, wow, I am this insignificant. I love it.
1: It is interesting, you know. I noticed that, especially last week, just the incoming emails and the people filling out my forms on my website and phone calls, because they're all in the holding pattern right now. You know, I know your big time of the year is with the colleges and stuff like that. So, you know, you're probably just getting ready to wrap up. Did you have very many that canceled that last month, parents' weekends, those kinds of things?
0: Uh, yeah, it's it's been nuts. I'm kind of off till August 18th uh, when the orientation starts again. That's kind of my specialty to go in and. Uh kind of be that first guy to maybe set the tone. The, the school's uh, kind of asked me to do that to kind of show the students, hey, if you want to be involved in student activities or these are the kind of shows you can look forward to all year, it's kind of an honor to be asked to kick that off. But um, And I just enjoy seeing, as I get older, it's not about being the cool guy anymore on stage, like, hey, I'm cool and I hope you laugh. I really like being kind of that maybe older influence a little bit to kind of say hey guys um, you could still laugh and obviously you've seen my show it's very self-deprecating and observational but um, let them know that it's okay to laugh let them know that it's not a scary time to be a freshman and you can still be yourself
1: so you started comedy in 93 how how long did it take you before you got into college did you clubs for a while kind of working your way up and getting your set together
0: Yeah, I did. Um, I want to say that I had about a good 40 minutes after like three years. And it's kind of the thing where I think um, colleges found me. I mean, some of the narrative, especially in this day and age with how politically correct they are, you know, some people don't want to play them or uh, comics, and the industry might feel that you're a little bit selling out, just a little bit, or you just might be um, not being as honest as you want to be on stage. Thankfully, I never wrote for colleges, Rick. Right? I um, I just always just write the way I do. And somebody said, "Hey, I think you'd be a great fit," um, and I went in. I did my first one, went okay, could have done better, but I knew something was there. And I think, um, you know, when you have to have an hour clean. And obviously, in this market if you do 59 minutes of great show and that one little minute is too racy or blue for them it can bring down the show obviously you've I mean, I don't know if you experienced this but something that somebody gets uptight about and remembers and because it's such a unique market, the student advisors that hired you it, it kind of spreads like wildfire like they'll tell um, uh, Memphis and Memphis tells Nashville and Nashville tells uh, Chattanooga, you know, and it's kind of like, well, he did that one racy joke. So um, I know I'm a little all over the place, but it kind of found me in terms, somebody said, hey, Eric, um, I think you'd be good for this. And it seemed to be working out for 26 years. So. Isn't
1: that crazy? Do you ever get to the point where you start feeling like, like, I mean, I did some colleges when I was in my late twenties and I was, started thinking, I can't, I got to learn what these guys are doing video games. I got you know, I'm starting to talk about cholesterol already. Like I, I had found myself kind of aging myself out before they even asked me to get out of the way. D- does that stuff creep in the back of your mind or is it you just kind of stayed true to what you've been doing and, and let them come along for the ride if they want?
0: Uh, it's interesting. One thing I did notice, I think it's it was a lot easier when I started. Um, and I don't know how you feel about this, but. Uh, when I first started, there was no YouTube. There was no um, talent shows on TV where everybody's got a talent. So I think when you went on campus, everybody just kind of looked at you. And it was, I'm into psychology a lot because that's basically what comedy is. You have to sell yourself in some capacity and get in their mind and see what they like. Um, but I think it's interesting how you were the star kind of when you showed up on campus. And I use that term very loosely. Um, right. I was joking. Uh, yeah. My career makes Dean Kane look like Harrison Ford. So. <laughs> Basically, Um, no, so, but when you show up on there, nobody knows of anyone's individual talents. Everybody just kind of just is ready to see you. You know, I don't know the songs they listen to now, like you said. I don't, and thankfully, you know, again, I don't do topics. I do a lot of stuff that we do every day, and because I deliver it kind of in a silly, fun way, which is generally myself, Um, it's definitely not an act, Um, they can relate to it. And before you know it, the hour's gone, and we just really had a nice time laughing at ourselves.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It is interesting when you start seeing them come in and they, you, you I always wonder like, are they looking at me or am I looking at them? Because sometimes they're looking at you like, oh boy. And other times you're looking at many shows. I look at even my nicest audience I'm like, oh, this is going to be a little bit of work right here. How do I get this? To, you know, so it's almost, it is almost better sometimes to. I always say, look at the audience before the show starts, but sometimes you almost would rather not psych yourself out one way or the other. Just go do your thing, you know?
0: No, I know. And sometimes they'll have them, you know, on college campuses, if it's a nooner, as they call it, they'll have it in the cafeteria. That's a tough one because everyone's got their blue trays. They're not, some of them didn't, might've not even known you were going to be there and they're just there for lunch. So, um, and other times, like you said, I do like to peek out the curtain, kind of get the Well, not the demographics, um, because they are 18 to 21, all of them. But did someone come from the community, which sometimes they allow that? Sometimes they do sell tickets for my show. So I'm just trying to raise money for student activity. So I like to take a peek at what what they're doing. But like you said, they're always going to be 18 to 21 years old. So you have to kind of know know, where their heads are at. However, I will say that there is such an innocence to them. And I think there's so much out there than what you and I had back in the day with quality and quantity. They're trying to make heads and tails of everything. And I know how I was as a perfectionist. You know me back in the day too. You're a little neurotic. You want to get things right. It's a very intimidating time to be as an 18. I would not wish this on anybody. I wouldn't want this right now. We have the luxury being in the most comfortable time with push of a button and everything's there for you. And they don't know necessarily what to do with that. They're figuring themselves out with all this feedback and all this trying to look good and look cool. And um, I think it's a hard time for them.
1: Yeah. I was thinking about that too. Just all the, you know, everybody always judge other people, but to see what they judge you and then they're posting it online to be in college and to be part of that whole thing just must be insane. You know, now you're starting to write a book about, How to get into colleges. Because, again, a lot of comics, you know, they know comedy clubs only. They hear about these college gigs on the side. They hear about corporate gigs. or They hear about crew stuff. But there really isn't a playbook for how do you do the college market well. And they've got some great advantages in the college market having these regional and, you know, national conferences where you get to showcase sometimes you know, the best spot is hosting the showcase so people can see you 15 times throughout the night, bringing other acts up and interacting with people. But what stuff can you tell somebody who's maybe they've got their 40, 50 minutes, they're in clubs, they still feel like they connect with the younger people? What would be that first step to going into colleges and trying to tip your toe in there?
0: Well, it, it, it's it's a very intricate process. And I'll... I'll um. I'll walk you through it as fast as I can. Basically, make sure you have an hour clean. Uh, make sure you're not going to um, say anything that is going to ruffle any feathers. And I, I, I we, we can talk about that after. But basically, it's called NACA, National Association for Campus Activities. Um, and what you do is you submit a three-minute tape, um, which is not a lot of time to be funny. And basically, there's a committee of about 500 acts. And it's going to be comedians, hypnotists, jugglers, magicians, singer songwriters that schools want to bring to their campus. Um, and you send in your three-minute tape, and it better be your, your hard-hitting stuff, because what they do is they have four rounds of judging. I didn't know this at first, or three rounds it might have gone to. But basically, they look at 30 seconds, Rick, and then they go, okay, yes. And, you, and they put you in a pile, so to speak. It's a proverbial pile. And the other 300, nope. So it's like, okay, and they whittle this down for three rounds, 30 seconds, 30 seconds. And now they've got 45 acts for this conference. And the conference is held at a hotel, um, usually in the region of four or five states where schools will come from uh, that region. So say in your region, it might be south. So you're going to get Tennessee, South Carolina, North Carolina, Little Virginia, Florida, Georgia, Alabama. So schools will come, maybe 100, 150 schools. And it'll be about three or four students with a chaperone advisor who is employed by the college and they will watch these 45 acts. Now keep in mind how hard it was even to get selected to go. So now you do your 20 minutes of your hour show, your greatest hits album. And um, you go then, to a marketplace where you stand in a booth with your agent or if you're representing yourself and it literally Rick, they go A the marketplace is now open and all the students run to those acts that they thought were hysterical or they want to bring. And now you're they're all over the place and you're handing out t-shirts. Hey, did you have a good time? Did you have fun? And you're hoping to get dates. So basically a lot of the meet and greet is there, but it's not done. There's, but wait, there's more. Right. Um, afterwards some will sign you up in that booth but afterwards they have a big room called block booking where it gets a little more serious where how many people like rick roberts from tennessee and tennessee will hold up their paddles and go okay we got three tennessees anyone from georgia six georgias or whatever and basically that's how your tour forms and what we do sometimes to keep you in a uh in a certain area the colleges we'll give them a couple hundred bucks off so Rick Roberts doesn't have to fly back home and then fly all the way back to Florida for each school. So we'll give a couple schools, a hundred bucks off to keep you in a certain area. And that's called um, a block. And they will have three of five blocks or five of seven blocks, three of five blocks is three schools in five days, five block, five schools in seven days. So basically it's a big business. Um, It's extremely competitive. Um, How hard it was to even get selected with those three minutes and three rounds and then you go there and sadly you can't have a bad showcase because it took so hard. It was so hard to get there. So when you do your showcase, you go to the booth, it's a three day conference, four day conference, and they have about seven regionals around the country. So you'll get Northeast that do the same thing. your South in Tennessee, West, Central, Northern Plains, which is Wisconsin, Dakota's. And it's every year. So if you don't get it, I never want to discourage comics. Like, Oh, I didn't get it. Like try it again. Maybe mix up the material. Um, if you're working with an agent get their input uh, but it's a very intricate market where you can do really well and you know I started at a thousand bucks I stole my calendar and I did 102 schools in 98 and I say this humbly I just broke that myself and I'm too old for this I can't believe my body's still here but I did 111 in 2016 so when you're on the 51st school keep in mind uh, dude, you're gonna be on the floor by yourself. You're not with, it's not like an MC feature headliner in a club. You're by yourself on the flight. Delta Airlines is delayed. And you're wondering, am I going to make the connection? It's just you. So it's a very isolating existence. And you go to the hotel. And here's the thing, you can't have a bad show in a way because, you know, they just saw you at NACA when you were like this. So you can't be grumpy from the road. You can't be pissed off because the plane was late. You can't be, you know, your grandma passed away. it, It sounds terrible, but you have to keep it on at all times for that many schools that you get and you can get three bookings at these NACAs. You can get a hundred and three. So it really just depends on um, how well you resonate with the crowd. But I encourage, you. I really say everybody try it. It's a wonderful market. It's always been good to me. If you're good to it, it'll love you right back, but you have to respect it. And it definitely has its own set of rules.
1: Yeah. And there's a few things too. Also that I remember at least from the the handful of shows I used to do for colleges is they like to pick you up and take you out to dinner or hang out afterwards and go out to dinner with you there's there's more than just doing the show there's a whole lot of just being super nice from the time you get on campus to the time you leave that.
0: Absolutely. It is like a business where people can rely on your product, which is you that you're kind of doing. So I mean, people are always going to come back to you, whether it's a restaurant or carpet cleaning service, um, or just whatever. Um, So I think it is a little more challenging today, because again, the variety is a lot more the quantity and quality is a lot more Uh, schools have their own theme of what they want to do. Um, I know a lot of schools bring me on, it sounds corny, but while the crazies are out partying, getting drunk or doing whatever, and that's not everybody, and I'm not painting with the broad brush, the quiet, nervous maybe just a little stoic ones are there for you. And guess what? The theme night is alternative night to drinking. Come out and see Eric O'Shea or come out and see Rick Robert. So the schools are really pressing hard to get them out of that high school realm, which is a lot of I mean, your senior year, you're the king of the castle, man. It's like you can do no wrong. You can party and what. I, and I see literally the looks on their faces; they're scared. I saw a guy with a letter jacket, and I'm like, "It's time to let that guy." <laughs> I don't know, who you're but no, they did. He wore It's like he yeah, had his football. And it's cute. look, it, it's great. You know, you're representing. You got a little piece of home with you on, on in a new college town. But no, it's 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 amazing how how they the, the campuses want them to abide by respect and accountability. And if you mess up, there there's no zero tolerance for this and that. And I could see, and it's a good thing. I mean, it's a good thing. Can it go too far? Absolutely. And that's the narrative with colleges now. Seinfeld said he doesn't want to play one. He was one of my idols and still is. He was a nice guy when I met him in New York. Um, but I will say that I'm not seeing that as much. And I think, talk about flattening the curve. I think that we can kind of I'm not saying eliminate that. I think it will come back where common sense always prevails, Rick, where we kind of say, all right, we're, we're, you know, you don't even know what you're groaning at or what. And here's the thing. I don't see it that much. I think what Jerry and a lot of the guys are talking about are those big schools that could afford Jerry, that have a lot of money. Like, I don't know what his fee is. My gosh, 100 grand or just to come in for an hour. And they are a multicultural campus. They are extra sensitive in a very hip city like USC or UCLA. A lot of the country and you've been around, a lot of the country is very rural. I just you know, I've been played all fifty states. I could draw you every highway, I have a sickness, but um, <laughs> I've noticed that a lot, other than the big cities, when they show like a map, like, oh, there's Denver, and there's Miami, and there's Chicago, a lot of it is rural. And it's not so much that the students are offended. They just don't know what you're talking about, um, even to laugh at it. So I'm not saying cut the students some slack. But I think what Jerry and, and that narrative is, is some of those wealthier schools that there's so much culture, so much different shades of who you are and your faith and your creed, and and they are highly sensitive. I just don't see that too much for North Platte, Nebraska, or Kankakee, Illinois. They're just normal students that might be a little less cultural, but it doesn't mean they're necessarily offended. So um, and a lot of schools are starting to say, do what you want. They're adults. So... Um, I think, thankfully, that narrative will go away. And I get it. There's a couple times, even in my clean show, I've said something. Oh, you stop that right there! Like you're not, and they giggle because they don't even know. But I don't see it too much.
1: Yeah, it's interesting. I think back to how I was at that age. You know, that's a long time ago. But you know, I don't think I ever groaned. Maybe I did at something. That, but it, a groan really just means you didn't present the material in a way they understood it. Unless you were really me- wanting them to groan, then it was you. You. Your protagonist in that, but yeah, most of us when we're on stage, even though we have a clean show, we're always being watched, you know. And and sometimes I've had more things come up where somebody in the audience will yell something out that I would never be allowed to say, and so I just have to look at them like, oh, I'm glad you said that, not me, because I I would get fired, you know. So there's there's ways to kind of reinforce and let them know, hey, we got to keep this at a certain level and.
0: Well, there's times I even I I say it kind of jokingly, but as we're walking back to the car and you take pictures and sign a few posters and stuff and, you know, they go, uh, you know, we'd love to have you back. And again, thankfully, I'm not the fastest writer, but what I like to do is kind of put out quality stuff. And I'm kind of hard on myself in terms of what I want to put out there. So I know people can just spew out things. You know, I think Bob Newhart said it best. uh, A comic is someone who says funny things. A comedian is someone who says things funny. So I'm more of the comedian that – I'm not a wordsmith, so it takes a little time. But thankfully, when the seniors graduate, a new freshman class comes in that never saw my show. So although I like to pat myself on the back and go, 26 years, Rick, well, that's because you're always going to have a new crowd. So I'm very thankful for that, that you're always going to get a new um, a, a, a new audience that comes in and kind of and sees you.
1: Yeah. Tell me about a college or a place – maybe it's just a town you went to – that you had never gone to had comedy not come up. That you're like, wow, this is kind of a cool place. I'm glad I got the chance to be here.
0: Yeah, the Billings, Montana, is you go to and you can just drive 85. There's no speed limit or whatever it is on that um, I 94. Yeah. So you're just Savannah, Georgia. You can go down there and I love the hauntings. I love ghost stuff. I'm really into UFO stuff, the paranormal. Um, so just to go down there and stay at a um, Salem, Massachusetts. I asked for the room that was on A and E's ghost tour, and oh. <laughs> yeah, so it, it, it was one of those ye old ends. And I had the metal key. You'll love this. And I go in and I check in. I was terrified, but I love that. I love to kind of spook myself. So I go in and I put everything in the bed on the bed in a circle and I told the ghosts. I said I know this was this is the room this is where she got killed or whatever and I said I want you ghost to mess up this perfectly circled thing of things on the bed it was like a sock remote control it was like dental floss I made a circle so I go and do the show forgot all about it and I'm ro- walking down the hall and everything's creaking and I put the key and I go the circle oh yeah so, so I open the door well, well, nothing changed. Uh, So I was disappointed. But stuff like that, where you can kind of go, wow, there's the witch museum across the street. And these people got stoned and burned to death because they probably had Tourette's. And it's like, they thought they were possessed. And it's like, that's terrible. So um, yeah, there's little nooks and crannies you can find in this business. Um, It's been, you know, people ask, would you do anything else? Um, I really have no regrets. Um, I am writing a book on just some of my experiences and um it's amazing what global pandemics will do it'll make you sit down and write a book so um and i've always wanted to do it but my style is oh god it has to be perfectly right so i'm glad i'm really just having fun letting these chapters flow just little jokes on the road uh, how I got started, uh, what influenced me. Most people see someone on TV and they go, oh, I want to be that actor. Mine was, I saw a guy at a bingo hall announcing numbers in <laughs> 1977 in a farm town. And I'm like, who is this magical man with a mic? And he's making all these old ladies laugh. This is, what? How do you do this? And it was Joe Desirio in Hancock, New York, in a little farm town in Delaware. And I'm like, I have to do this. So. I don't know. I had no idea what comedy was, but This guy's making people laugh, holding the balls and the numbers. And I'm like that Joe DiSario at seven was so I'm writing things like that in my book. I just really want to be an inspiration. I know I'm blabbing, but I want to be an inspiration to people. You know, none of us really die a comedian except some of the greats out there. And to be a part of this industry where you can kind of have an effect. And you know, the dry bar now is I think I said like 20 million hits. Everyday people write, 15-year-olds, old ladies, and it's, you know, the pinch me moments, the Emmys I did, uh, America's Got Talent, um, just some fun stuff where you can stop this stuff away. But I don't think the general narrative ever really fades, which is you're there for them. You're there to make them laugh, do your job, do it well, and uh, and just try to have a positive influence.
1: I did want to mention that we worked together. In fact, the last time we worked together was a uh I think it was 2008 somewhere around there because I remember the economy was a little tough and it took just a little while uh, to to get paid for the gig but it was a fun gig but it was bizarre it was in Victoria british columbia which is beautiful and the the way that the promoter wanted it to be promoted in town was that I would put on my barney Fife outfit you would put on a sock sock hat like you were a thief and i would ch- chase you through the town and announce that there's a show later do you remember this yeah,
0: i do that was hilarious and you're so good at that i mean i'm sure you get double takes because it is but it's it's barney five to a t but i didn't know it should i should i just knock people over should i just knock so i grab a purse on the run should i and she meant well and it, and it was funny how we're just kind of running around town and i'm not saying whether it landed or not but you told me too so it was kind of funny how we're just i think we got people's attention which was the good thing she's a wonderful promoter wonderful lady but we've never i've never done that where you know we got barney fife and some thief and we're just running around town and i'm surprised we didn't get arrested or something really yeah
1: i think yeah if i remember right there was probably once or twice that we were near police and i said let's just dial it back for a second let's just turn around the corner but i do remember some people came out to the show because of that but I remember it just being really awkward. Plus, you know, it took a while to get there. I remember the day before was quite the travel day for me. I had to sit and wait somewhere for like, gosh, six or seven hours. It was just ridiculous. Well, I appreciate you joining me today. I'm glad we didn't have to run through the streets uh, (laughs) to to get together. But uh,
0: No, Rick, honestly, and I hope you you better keep this on here, and they're hearing this right now. This has been an honor. You you are somebody, one of the good guys that have found your niche, and it seems to be so widespread to everybody. And I don't kiss butt or anything, but you, I mean, it always starts with the person. You're a great person. You um, you know exactly what you're doing up there. You're good at what you do, and you still have that wonderful family life. And you really covered and, and kind of checked all your boxes. So I congratulate you on that. And you're just, I'm just grateful to know you. <laughs>
1: Hope you enjoyed that interview with Eric O'Shea, fun guy. Uh, hard to believe we're both in our 50s now, been, been doing this for quite a while, uh, but fun to catch up. He's, he's done quite a few interesting things and uh, didn't know he was into uh, the phenomenon of the paranormal or whatever goes on with ghosts. That's interesting. I don't think I would uh, ask a ghost to come in my room and rearrange objects on my bed. Uh, no, Thanks. Anyway, that was a lot of fun. If you enjoy Eric, you want to check him out. Eric O'Shea. It's Eric with a C E R I C O S H E A dot From there, you'll be able to click on a variety of links. Uh, he's got his YouTube links up there. And, you know, he's got like 5 million hits on YouTube. So, uh, quite a bit. His Dry Bar Comedy uh, special, those clips cumulatively have hit over 20 million views. So, you definitely want to check him out. Funny guy doing a great job. And uh, can't wait till normal times. Uh, start up again so I can go out and hang out in Phoenix and catch up with him. Hey, if you're sponsoring this podcast, I I appreciate it. Those of you through Patreon, I want to recognize our Patreon sponsor for this episode. It's Wayne Fitzpatrick. Wayne, I appreciate your continued support over the years. Uh, I just recently had the Club 52 quarterly hangout with our Club 52 members, and if you didn't catch that and you are a Club 52 member, you can go right there to the Patreon page and listen to the recording of that and pick up on some information about how we're all dealing with the uh, kind of reduction in schedule, if you will. Let's just call it a reduction in schedule, not the end of a career uh, early, 10 years before I expected it. <laughs> Oh, man. Well, stay safe, stay funny out there. Remember, you can always take the School of Laughs writing class online. If you're a speaker who wants to get funnier, I invite you to check out masterlaughterclass.com, which is designed especially for speakers. And I show you different ways you can implement humor throughout your program and how to keep an eye out for things that might land into your keynotes. That's going to do it for this time, y'all. Stay safe, stay funny, and stay away from me if you've been coughing for a couple of days. Mm -hmm.
0: listening to the school of laughs podcast if you'd like to hear more school of Laughs podcast you can find them on itunes and stitcher.com and don't forget to subscribe and leave a review for information on upcoming live and online classes visit school until next time stay tuned stay focused and stay funny